And we are back. You guys probably thought I killed myself. You guys thought I was done with the podcast. No, I needed 10 days to regroup. Welcome back to the Depressed Cincinnati Sports Fan Podcast. I am Jesse Mapati, and yes, I'm going to recap the Cincinnati Bengals Super Bowl loss to the Los Angeles Rams 10 days ago. I needed time to just, you know, just to catch my breath, to catch my thoughts, because that was painful. That was painful. I think a lot of people are saying, well, you know, they made it to the Super Bowl, they made it to this far. No, 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 no. I wanted to win the game so bad. So did the players and so did the fans, okay? Don't get me wrong. It's been a special year for the Cincinnati Bengals. Nobody thought in the beginning of the season that the Bengals will be playing at SoFi Stadium for the Super Bowl. No one thought that. So I get what people are saying like, yeah, they they, they, they weren't supposed to be there, blah, blah, blah. I, I know that. I know, but... They had this game. They had this game. They should have won this game. And am I gonna am I gonna give credit to Los Angeles Rams? Sure. But no one cares that the Los Angeles Rams won the Super Bowl. No one gives a shit. No one cares. Oh my gosh, Aaron Donald and Odell Beckham won their first ring. I Matthew Stafford. Oh my gosh, yeah. You think I give a shit? You think people really care? I don't. I didn't watch the trophy ceremony. I teared up after the game. Are you kidding me right now? Are you serious? The Los Angeles Rams. You think America was rooting for the Rams in this year's Super Bowl? You really think that? No. No. Everybody was rooting for the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay? So this sucks. This really sucks. But you know what? It doesn't take away from this season by the Cincinnati Bengals. I had so much fun Watching this team, talking about this team on my podcast. It's been the most fun I've had ever when it comes to ruining my Cincinnati sports teams. And you guys know that I talk about depression on this podcast. There's a reason why this podcast is named Depressed. Because my teams have made me this way. But the Cincinnati Bengals, the 2021 version of the Cincinnati Bengals, changed that for me. Now, I was depressed for the last 10 days. Today... I'm okay because I told myself that, Jesse, you know what? The Super Bowl is over. You might not get over it, but you have to talk about it to your fans. And I know. And I will talk about my takes on the Super Bowl, okay? So, you guys are probably wondering, Jesse, the officiating at the end. Listen, guys. The officiating for the first 58 minutes were okay. They were fine. They didn't call no stupid-ass calls, all that shit. It was pretty much fair. But I hated that the officials started calling some just bullshit-ass calls two minutes left of the game when it was tight. Like, are you kidding me? Now, I'm not the guy that will blame officiating when it comes to deciding who wins or loses. No. The Bengals had their chance to win this game. The officiating did not play a part in the Bengals losing the Super Bowl. Okay? Yes. Logan Wilson should have never got flagged. For passive interference on Cooper Cup. Logan Wilson, I think he would have won Super Bowl MVP if the Bengals won the game. He played one hell of a game. And that play on Cooper Cup on third down, that was an awesome play. Like, looking at live, I'm like, what a great defensive play. Okay, fourth down. And I see the ass flag. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? So, Logan Wilson, 
He didn't do anything wrong. Logan Wilson had a great rookie year. Third round pick out of Wyoming. Did Bengals fans expect this this year from Logan Wilson? Hell no. But I knew that was a that was a steal pick by the Bengals. And Logan Wilson played great. So if the Bengals would have won the Super Bowl, I think he should have gotten MVP. So that flag on Cooper Cup on Logan Wilson, that was shit. Okay? That was shit. And then T. Higgins got grabbed in the goal line as well. That was shit too. But you can also say for the Rams too, their fans, they would have lost the game. There were shitty calls on them that, that wasn't called against them, you know? T. Higgins, that big touchdown play to begin the second half where he pretty much grabbed the face of Jalen Ramsey. Now, looking back and I've seen the replay, I think it was a good play by T. I'm not being biased because I'm a Bengals fan, but T. Higgins did. He mossed Jalen Ramsey, okay? So, I think the flag should have been called there, but they didn't call it. So, it is what it is. So, if you are looking for me to blame the officials in this game, no. Nope. 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 The Bengals should have won this game. Not because of the because of the officials. They didn't lose this game because of the officials. They just lost because they missed opportunities. Okay. The offensive line. Okay. The offensive line has been the Achilles heel for the Cincinnati Bengals team all season long. Okay. You all know this. It came back to bite this team in the biggest game of the season. The offensive line, all week leading up to the Super Bowl, were getting shitted on by the national media and the pundit of folks. Yeah, deservingly so. They're not good. And I knew, I remember I did the podcast about 12 days ago, that the offensive line, they're going to play this game with a chip on their shoulder because they want to prove everybody wrong that, you know what, we're going to show up. And they did in the first half. Joe obviously was rushing his passes, but the O-line held up until the second half when the Los Angeles Rams made adjustments. And I had a feeling that was going to happen. And then Aaron Donald, Von Miller took over the game, pretty much just dominated the Bengals' weak offensive line front. It was bad. And then Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow, QB1, Joe Shiesty, Joey Franchise. Dude sprained his MCL late in the game. When he got down for a sack by Vaughn Miller, Joe Miller, Joe Miller, Joe Burrow grabbed his knee. And I saw his face. And he was yelling in pain. And in my head, I'm thinking, I hope that's not the same knee he tore his ACL and MCL two years ago. I hope not. I mean, a year ago. I was hoping that was not the case because I was like, great, great. Are you kidding me right now? In the biggest game in franchise history, our star quarterback tears his ACL again in the same knee, but thankfully it was the other knee. And that man limped to the sideline and he played through it. Joe Burrow, I don't know how he did it. In his first real full season, to play in front of that offensive line, to put up the numbers he did, like, he deserves a standing ovation. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand up right now. Joe, once you get an offensive line, and hopefully the Bengals address that so badly in the offseason, this man could be in 
for a legendary third year. I believe so. So it was very hard to watch him in pain. <sighs> like, it's it, it, out of all the games in the Super Bowl, to see him just like holding his knee, it just gave me flashbacks of 2020. That November game against the Washington football team, which now they are now the Washington Commanders. The hell? And when he tore his AC on MCL, and remember I started crying. Well, I didn't cry, but I was in the dark in my room for like hours because I was just like, this, 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 this is happening. Really? So I'm glad it was only a sprain. And I hope the Bengals organization, when they were watching this game, and then after the game, they're they're telling each other, this will never happen again to our franchise quarterback. This will never happen again. 19 sacks in the postseason, 70 sacks in the first two seasons of his NFL career, nine sacks in a postseason game, sacked 51 times in the regular season this year. That shit should never happen again. Never, and I hope they're saying that to themselves. The Blackburns, Mike Brown, I hope they're looking at each other and saying, I don't want our star quarterback to be holding his knee in pain in a meaningful game, a.k.a. the Super Bowl. That should never happen again. Now, I think a lot of people don't really talk about this, but the Bengals' red zone offense was not good towards the latter part of the season. And it came back to haunt them in the end, in the Super Bowl, okay? Bengals had chances. Joe Burrow found Jamar Chase for a big yardage in the first half. I think it was in the first quarter, I'm sorry. The Bengals only settled for three. They got the ball in first and goal from the 11. Which, by the way, Jamar Chase made an outstanding catch, one-handed catch. And then he got back up, ran it for another couple of yards, and they spotted the bar, the ball, now at the eleven yard line instead of the five yard line. That I was so confused. I'm like, Jalen Ramsey did not touch them when he was on the ground. So Jamar Chase got up. He knew he didn't get touched, and he ran for extra five yards. But they spotted the ball at the eleven yard line. I was so confused. But the bang, the Bengals red zone offensive woes in the postseason. <sighs> Yeah, it it came back to haunt them in the Super Bowl. Okay, they got away with it against the Raiders, got away with it against the Titans. In the Chiefs game, they were able to convert on touchdown plays, but can be can be def- can be depending on Evan McPherson all the time. He's such a great kicker for a rookie. He's already top five best kickers in the league right now. But your kicker should not be kicking. 14 out of 14 field goals in the postseason, okay? That means your red zone offense is not good. And it came back to bite the Bengals in the Super Bowl. Now, the moment of the Super Bowl, Bowl, it wasn't too big for this team. Like, they they knew that they belonged there. And they they deserved to be there. Like, leading up to the game, I was thinking, you know what? Joe Burr and Jamar Chase have played in big games, national championship games. You know, this moment won't get to them. I was thinking about the other players. And it didn't. Like, the Bengals knew they belonged there. And they did. So, I'm glad that the moment of the Super Bowl didn't get to them. 
and the Bengals' run defense was dominant. The Rams could not run the ball worth for shit. So that was that was surprisingly, but very whew, Bengals' run defense was amazing. And then shout out to the Bengals fans from traveling to SoFi Stadium to California to watch their team in the Super Bowl. Bengals got a lot of fans across America. Yes, they're bandwagons, but Bengals got fans. So shout out to the Bengals fans and people saying the halftime show. Halftime show was one of the best of all time. Yes. Eminem, Dre, Snoop, Mary J. Blige, Kendrick Lamar, 50 Cent. Yeah. It was a great halftime show. So yeah, the Super Bowl was pain at the end, but I just can't believe that I'm 29 years old and I didn't expect to ever in my lifetime to experience my Cincinnati Bengals in a Super Bowl game. So that's why it hurt the way they lost this game because they had a chance. They had a chance. So <sighs> that was painful. All right, let's recap the season stats and also give out my awards for this team. All right, QB1, Joe Burrow. Oh, shit. Joe Burrow finished the season passing for 4,000. 611 yards, 34 touchdowns, 14 INTs, and he was sacked 51 times in the regular season. And like I said, he was sacked 19 times in the playoffs. In the playoffs, Burrow threw for 1,105 yards, 5 touchdowns, 2 picks. Joe Mixon had 292 carries, 1,205 yards, 13 touchdowns. In the playoffs, he had 67 carries for 206 262 yards rushing, one touchdown. And also, he threw a touchdown pass to T. Higgins in the Super Bowl. That was such a great pass by Mixon. Like, when they, it was around, I think it was second goal, they handed off to Mixon. And I'm thinking, you're really going to hand off the ball? Because the Rams defense just rushed on Mixon. I'm like, this is going to be for negative yardage. And then Mixon found the opportunity just to throw the ball, found T in the corner of the end zone. It was such a great pass. So, Mixon in his career, one for one, six yards, and a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl. So, that's really cool for him. Jamar Chase, year one. What a year one. 81 catches, 1,455 yards receiving, 13 touchdowns. In the playoffs, 25 catches, 368 yards, one touchdown. Jamar Chase had... The best rookie receiving just seasons of all time. So this guy did this in year one, guys. I remember before the season, his catch issues. Well, oh my gosh, the Bengals should have drafted, you know, Sewell. Oh my gosh, why they used their fifth pick overall in the NFL draft on the receiver? Well, if Jamar Chase wasn't with the Bengals, the Bengals will not be in this position right now. Just saying. Okay. T. Higgins, year two, 74 catches, 1,091 yards, six touchdowns. In the playoffs, T. had 18 catches, 309 yards, receiving two touchdowns. And Tyler Boyd had 67 catches, 828 yards, five touchdowns. In the playoffs, he had 15 catches for 110 yards, receiving and a touchdown. Tyler Boyd did have a key drop late in the fourth quarter. It was around third and eight 
with about six minutes left. Bengals up 20 to 16. Bird threw a pass, and it looked like it was going to be a catch for Boyd. It would have been close because the defender was there, but I think Boyd would have got the first down, and he dropped it. It was his first drop pass of the season, and it was so critical because if Boyd catches that, it probably would have been a first down or fourth and one. I think the Bengals would have gone for it if it was fourth and one, but Boyd catches that, gets the first down. You waste clock, and you potentially get a field goal out of it and just make the Rams have to score a touchdown to tie the game. So... That sucked. That sucked, but it doesn't take away for Tyler Boyd just how Mr. Dependable he is, and he's been through it all with his Bengals organization, so we should not clown on him or talk shit about him because he had one drop pass. I know it was a drop. It was a key drop pass, but it should have never came down to that point. So, CJ Uzama, the Bengals tight end, what a breakout year he had. 49 catches, 493 yards receiving, five touchdowns in the playoffs. He had 15 catches for 146 yards receiving and a touchdown. CJ did hurt his knee in the AFC title game against the Chiefs. And a lot of people thought that he was not going to play in the Super Bowl. But CJ said that he was going to play and he did play and he looked good. He had a couple of catches. So I hope CJ stays in Cincinnati because he's one of the leaders in that team, in that locker room, with his pregame speeches and everything. Everybody loves CJ Uzama. Such a leader and... I hope the Bengals keep him here for a while. All right, for the defensive side, Logan Wilson, like I talked about earlier, he had 100 tackles this year. For once, he had one sack, four interceptions. Jermaine Pratt, what a breakout year Jermaine Pratt had. 91 tackles, one interception. Safety, Jesse Bates, who, by the way, the Bengals better resign Jesse Bates. You hear me? Okay. 88 tackles this year for one interception. He had a pick in the Super Bowl as well. Quarterback Mike Hilton with a pickup for the Bengals as well. 66 tackles, two interceptions. He had a pick in the playoffs as well. Chinadu Awuzie, 64 tackles, and he had one interception as well this year. Defensive end Sam Hubbard, 62 tackles for seven and a half, seven and a half sacks. Defensive tackle B.J. Hill, who the Bengals got a trade for Billy Price for the Giants, one of the most Underrated trades of the year, 50 tackles, five and a half sacks, including that key interception in the a- in the AFC title game against the Chiefs that helped the Bengals get good, for pe- good field position, and the Bengals tied the game up during that drive. And then defensive tackle Larry Ojanobi, who unfortunately hurt himself in the AFC wildcard game against the Las Vegas Raiders, but the Bengals picked him up over the, again, over, sorry, the Bengals got him from the Browns. Thank you, Cleveland. <laughs> oh, Cleveland's down bad. Ojanobi, 49 tackles, 7 sacks this year. Cornerback Eli Apple. Now, a lot of people don't like Eli Apple. I don't like that he talks a lot of shit on social media. He needs to stop that. But for as much shit Eli Apple does get... He wasn't that bad in the Super Bowl, okay? You can say that Jalen Ramsey was worse. But nobody's talking about that because the Rams won the Super Bowl. So everybody's shitting on Eli Apple. But Eli Apple had a great year for the Bengals, okay? 49 tackles, two interceptions. Let's not forget the play he had against the Chiefs in the AFC title game where he tackled Tyreek Hill as time expired for the Chiefs in the first half that prevented them from scoring a touchdown, okay? And let's not forget 
the batted ball that was that went into the hands of Logan Wilson for the interception in the AFC Divisional Playoff game that won the game for the Bengals. Okay, Eli Apple made some great plays for the Bengals this year. He should not be starting. He should be at least third and fourth in the cornerback depth. But if the Bengals do resign him next year, for next year, I would not be mad. You just add more depth to the cornerback room. So, yeah. I I get it, Bengals fans. I get it. Eli Apple, I get it. I get it. But you got to realize he did a lot for this team this year, okay? So let's, let's chill out for a little bit, okay? <laughs> So defensive tackle, DJ Reader, 43 tackles for two sacks. Let's not forget DJ Reader's, he had a game against the Titans in a divisional game where running back Derrick Henry for the Titans making his return to the lineup and DJ Reader was having none of it. Like he was stuffing the Tennessee run game all night long. So DJ Reader, one of the best of his position. Linebacker Marcus Bailey, not a lot of people talk about him, but he's a very solid player, and I think he'll get more reps next year as well. He ended the year with 38 tackles. Trey Hendrickson, the best offseason pickup by the Bengals from last year. Trey had 14 sacks, franchise record. And then cornerback Trey Flowers. I think a lot of people don't think Trey Flowers made an impact on this team this year. He did, especially on special teams, and especially in the second half of the Chiefs game in the AFC title game. So, and then let's not forget about Evan McPherson. What a rookie year. The kid out of Florida, 28 for 33 in the regular season, along of 58 yards. And then the postseason, perfect. 14 for 14, along of 54. And then he had two walk-off kicks in the divisional round and in the championship game of the AFC game. So, it was a great year, guys. Like, it just sucked that they didn't get the Lombardi to Cincinnati. Ugh. I'm not over it. I'm not over it. Until training camp begins in July, then I'll probably kind of sort of get over it. But it's going to take a while until the Bengals finally win the Super Bowl, which it can happen. But in the NFL, it's very hard to get back to the Super Bowl because you see in the AFC side, it's very loaded with just great quarterbacks. So, but I'm not saying it's impossible for the Bengals to make it back to the Super Bowl. Shit, they might make it back next year. You just never know. All right, so my team awards. Offensive MVP. I think a lot of people would say, well, Joe Burr. No, it's Jamar Chase for me. Like I said, if the Bengals didn't draft Jamar Chase last year in the NFL draft, the Bengals will not be in the Super Bowl, Okay. Defensive MVP, my choice was Logan Wilson. I mean, 100 tackles, four interceptions. Like, no one saw that coming. So he's my defensive MVP. You can put Jesse Bates' honorable mention, Mike Hilton, Trey Hendrickson. But I think Logan Wilson. And I know he missed three games because he hurt his shoulder against the Los Los Angeles Chargers. So... You'll say, well, he missed missed a couple of games. But yeah, but I still think as a whole, Logan Wilson is my defensive MVP for this team. And then special teams MVP, Evan McPherson. That's a duh. Most underrated player on this year's team, Jermaine Pratt, linebacker. 
Yes. I think Jermaine Pratt is going to take a next step into his game next year. He's really good. And I think a lot of people in the league will start to say his name next year. Jermaine Pratt. My best regular season win for the Bengals this year. Week 17 over the Kansas City Chiefs. That was Jamar Chase, 266 receiving yards, record day. And then Joe Burrow's four touchdown passes. And then Evan McPherson, game-winning kick at the gun. Best moment of the year? I say it's Jermaine Pratt's game-winning pick in the AFC wildcard game against the Las Vegas Raiders. Because that pick sealed the Bengals' first playoff win in 31 years. That was a big deal. That was the best moment because the city, city was on fire. Probably not on fire. At, not Probably not on fire like it was when the Bengals won the AFC Championship game. But to finally witness a playoff win, that was the best moment right there. And especially it happened at home. So that was even, that was even more like more icy on the cake. The win that changed the season. And people will say the Chiefs win. In week 17. Not necessarily. I said the Bengals week 15 win at Denver. You know why? Because the Bengals were coming off two straight losses. At home to the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Chargers. I don't think people look at it. Because Denver is a good team at home with a good defense. Now, they don't have good quarterback play. But they're very good at home. Especially with a loud stadium environment like Denver. I was afraid the Bengals were going to lose that game and then their playoff hope was going to be... <clears throat> but for them to win that game in Denver and then they went on to beat the Ravens and then they went on to beat the Chiefs. So that win at Denver changed the season for the Bengals. I believe so. And then the best game of the season, obviously the AFC Championship game at the Chiefs. Down 21-3. To rally, to win the game in overtime, 24-21. Like, what the hell? Like, that really happened? To beat Patrick Mahomes twice in one month? That's that's crazy. So, that's the best game of the season, obviously, hands down. All right, so since the season's over, you're probably thinking, well, Jesse has nothing to talk about football. Yes, I do. We got the offseason. And this is probably one of the most important off-seasons in Cincinnati Bengals football history. Now, we will talk about the NFL draft coming up and then free agency coming up in a month from now. Here are my five things the Bengals need to focus on in the off-season this year. Number one, you got to sign Jesse Bates, okay? He was the best defensive player in the playoffs, okay? The Bengals' defense needs Jesse Bates, okay? Sign him. Now, I did hear today that the Bengals are going to franchise tag Bates. Okay? Whatever you do, you need to sign that man. Number two, the offensive line needs to be fixed. Duh. And then you got to get line help in free agency and then, in, and then in the NFL draft. Number three, get another pass rusher. Okay? Even though Trey Hendrickson was great for the Bengals this year and Larry Ojanobi and B.J. Hill, Bengals need another pass rusher. So either that happens during free agency or the NFL draft. Number four, Bengals need to sign either B.J. Hill or Larry Ojanobi. Okay? Sign either one. I don't care. If you, sign them, if you re-sign them both, hell, I'll be happy with that. 
And number five, Joe Burrow, you're probably not listening to this low-budget-ass podcast, but please, my man, just rest, okay? Rest your body. Your body's been through a lot, okay? Your body's been through 51 sacks, 19 in the postseason, and also you sprained your MCL in the Super Bowl. My guy, just rest. Take a couple weeks off and then get back at it. Just rest. Also, we want to talk about we we also got to talk about Bengals head coach Zach Taylor signing extension through 2026. Deservingly, sir. Um, I think Zach Taylor will be with the Bengals for a long time, and that's okay. He deserves this extension. Okay, so good for Zach Taylor. And that's I think that's it for the Bengals talk. Wow. It's been a pleasure just talking Cincinnati Bengals football this year. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait for training camp. Can't wait for training camp. Cannot wait till next season. It's going to be another good year. People are saying, well, the schedule is going to be tough. Yeah, well, that happens in the NFL. But if the Bengals just address the needs they need to address, they're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. All right, Cincinnati Bearcats men's basketball update. So... The last podcast I did, the Bearcats got spanked by the Houston Cougars at home. Since then, the Bearcats have wins over South Florida, 70-59. Took a big fucking L at Tulsa. Tulsa's not good, 83-77. to And the Bearcats lost against Memphis at home last Tuesday, 81-74. to Then the Bearcats bounced back and beat Wichita State at home last Thursday, 85 to 76, sweeping the season series over the Shockers. And then this past Sunday, the Bearcats lost to the Temple Owls, got swept in the season series by the Owls, 75 to 71 at home. Right now, the Bearcats are now 17 and 10 overall, 7 and 7 in AAC play. Bearcats' next game is at UCF on Wednesday. And then they got games home against South Florida on Saturday. And then the last two games of the regular season at Houston and at SMU. Those teams are probably, well, for sure Houston. I think SMU just needs to do a little bit more work. And I think there will be definitely be an NCAA tournament team. And then after that, the Bearcats will start AAC conference tournament play. Top five teams get a bye in the tournament. Right now, UC sits at seven. So... Barring anything crazy, the Bearcats will be playing in the first game, in the first round of the conference tournament. Listen, okay? The Bearcats who who the Bearcats who we thought they were going to be, okay? I didn't expect this team to make the tournament this year. I would say that I thought this team was going to be at least competing for a shot at the NIT, which they can still make it. I thought this team would be competitively play well. Listen, they're Wes Miller. This is his first year. I think a lot of Bearcat fans are psychopaths because they assume that this year, this this Bearcats team, we're we're, we're going to Final Four. Cincinnati Bearcats basketball fans, do you realize that the Bearcats in the last 22 years have only made it to the second weekend of the tournament twice? 2001 and then... 2012. Okay? Every time the Bearcats go to the tournament in March Madness, they either bounce up they either bounce in the first round 
or second round, okay? Stop thinking that this team's a Final Four team. They're not. Okay? It's going to be okay. Wes Miller will get his players. And the fact that this team has 17 wins at this point of the season, I'm happy with it. Yes, they had some losses this year where I'm like, are you shitting me? They've played poorly in games, obviously. Am I mad? Yes, because I'm a fan and I want them to do well, but I'm not killing myself thinking, oh my gosh, it's going to hurt our NCAA tournament potential. They weren't expected to make it to the tournament this year, fans, so calm your ass down. So, right now, as I look at the leaderboards for the team, David DeJulius leads the team in scoring, averaging 14.7 points per game. Jeremiah Davenport, in his junior year, averaging 13.8 points per game. He leads the team in rebounding 5.3 rebounds per game. Okay, I have a problem with that. It's a bad thing that your guard is your leader in rebounding per game. Bearcats have big men. They got two seven-footers. The Bearcats' big men this year, the bigs, they're not good. They're actually horrible. And I hate saying that, but it's just true. They can't rebound. This team as a whole cannot rebound for shit. And I'm not talking shit about them. It's just facts. And it's just not really good. So I just hope that West recruit good big men that can rebound and also can have an offensive game at the same time as well. And then we got Micah Adam Woods, his junior year, averaging 9.1 points per game, leads the team in assists, 3.3 assists per game. Listen, this team, they play hard, okay? They're a team that they will start off the game really bad, and then they'll get their shit together in the second half. It's, they're an inconsistent team. You kind of expect that. And I think some UC fans, whew, their, expect, their expectation level on their teams is so high up there. It's like, you guys need to calm down, okay? I hope this team... We'll get into conference tournament play. And I think they can win one or two games. They're very capable of making it to the semifinals in the American Athletic Conference tournament. They're well, they're more than capable. Also, they're more than capable of losing in the first round. So let's all breathe. Let's all relax. It's gonna be okay. I trust Wes Miller. I trust the direction that he's gonna take this program. The Bearcats will be fine. Calm down. Okay? And also, Wes Miller. In his first year, has more wins than Xavier basketball head coach Travis Steele had in his first year. Just saying. Okay, so we're going to talk about soccer. Yes. Now, with football over, my attention is going to turn into soccer. And yes, I'm going to be watching soccer this year because you know what? I don't think baseball is going to happen until like May or June. And, um, Honestly, fuck the Reds and fuck Major League Baseball, to say the least. So, look at me watching soccer this year. FC Cincinnati. FCC Cincinnati, I'm sorry. Sorry. A lot of fans do hate when I say that. Or the fans of my friends that are big fans when I say that. FCC Cincinnati. Okay. They're playing soccer on Saturday, okay? It's their season opener at Austin FC. That game begins at 6 p.m., FCC Cincinnati home opener is on March 5th against DC United. That game is at 6 p.m. Key games for the year for FCC Cincinnati. They got two games against the Columbus Crew. The hell is real. 
And then they go to Seattle, take on the Sounders. That's on April 9th at 10 p.m. And then LAFC comes to Cincinnati on April 24th at 5 p.m. And then the FCC goes, actually, I'm sorry, San Jose comes to TQL Stadium September 10th at 7.30 p.m. And then FCC goes to Salt Lake, take on Real Salt Lake on September 17th at 9.30 p.m. Now, I'm not really a huge soccer fan, so I know the rules here and there. Like, I'm, I'm knowledgeable when it comes to that. So, it was hard for me to pick out FCC Cincinnati strengths. This is not me talking shit about them. It's just I couldn't find, like, strengths on this team, on this roster, because it's a brand new roster with new players. They got new coaches, new GM, new everything, okay? Here's my strengths for FCC Cincinnati soccer team, okay? Number one, they got a loyal fan base. That's a damn loyal-ass fan base, especially their cheering section called the Bailey, which I have my few comeuppance with that cheering section, but I'll save that for later. But FCC has a loyal fan base, and this is a soccer city. They love their soccer. They really love their team, and they're loyal, so they deserve a winner, so... They got a good fan base. I'll give them that. <laughs> Number two, Luciano Acosta, a.k.a. I call this guy a fucking clown. Acosta is FCC Cincinnati's best player. And I hate it because you know why? He's like three foot one and he flops like no other soccer player that I ever seen fly. He flops a lot. OK, I went to a lot of FCC games last year. This man is just, and he's, I just, if I'm a player on that team, I would hate Acosta so much. But he also is a good player, but he is such a fucking asshole. And if I was an opponent playing against Acosta and seeing his ass flop, man, I would deck him in the face. But he is FCC strength. So, yeah. <laughs> I hate saying that because that I can't stand that man because he flops a lot and I feel like he is an asshole. <laughs> I got to get some interviews on the FCC team or something just to talk about Luciano Acosta because sheesh. If you're hearing this Acosta, I don't give a shit. You're like two foot one, okay? You don't scare me. All right, so yeah, those are the straights I have for FCC and I'm not like, like I said, I'm not trolling them. I'm really not. I'm not. And I hope they gain more strengths as the season goes on this year. So, their weakness. Well, <clears throat> there's a lot, okay? There's a lot of weakness to this team. They don't really have a lot of good talent. Not a lot of good players, skill-wise, okay? They got players that they can play the game. It's just skill-wise, okay? So, yeah, that's my weakness when it comes to this team. It's just... Just the talent. The talent is not there. And you hope that they'll get more talent as the years go by. But fans do get impatient. And I know this fan base is very loyal. But sooner or later, it might it, it's going to start to get tiring. Like, if, if, you, if you're just going to continue to keep losing every year, and if you don't see any direction, as a fan, I'll be like, okay, I'm not going to be wasting my money on season tickets on an organization that doesn't really care about getting the best players possible in order to have a winning foundation. So 
So like I said, this team has a lot of new faces. They got a new goalkeeper, Alec Can. Okay, he's been around the MLS and he is recognized as being among the most talented backup while playing for Atlanta. So he should be the starter on Saturday against Austin FC. You would think, right? If they put Kenneth Vermeer as a starter on Saturday, that means you're just saying that we're just going to lose and fuck it, right? So Alec Can should be the starter. He needs to be the starter on Saturday, period. If Vermeer is the starter, why am I watching the game? Because we're going to fucking allow like nine goals. Because that man, I swear, Kenneth Vermeer, he is, he's gambling on this team. Man, that's, 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 that's my theory. That's my conspiracy theory. That man's a, mm, I don't like that guy. Then again, I was rooting on. Then again, I was rooting this guy on last year a lot. I do regret it. So FCC did get a guy named Raymond Zagatis. So he's fresh out of retirement. Oh, playing Michael Jordan this time with soccer. He's well respected. So you will hope he will reset the club's culture and mindset. So let's hope he does that because I think FCC needs a culture change. So you hope that Gaddis, with experience, with his experience, that will help when it comes to the the clubhouse, and you just hope the players will respect them, which they will. So they got a new head coach, Pat Noonan, and a new GM, Chris Albright. So, in FCC's first three years in the Major League Soccer, they have three wooden spoons, which is given out to the team that finishes last with the worst record. In MLS. So 2019, FCC had 24 points, good for six wins. In the 2020 pandemic year, 16 points, four wins. And then last year, 20 points, good for four wins. Lord, that that's that's bad. Let's sheesh, yikes. I think FCC will be better this year. Now, could they start off pretty bad? Sure. I don't think they're going to win four games. I think they can win more than four games. Okay? And I think they're going to finish either 10th or 11th in the Eastern Conference. Some of you fans, some of you die are like, whoa, really? Whoa, whoa. I think they can be better. I think they just need to get more experience playing with each other because it's just, you, you got new faces. So you got to get accustomed to, accustomed to playing with each other. But I think they're going to be better. They can be better. So... I really hope that they do improve this year. I'll be watching a lot of games this year, hopefully going to some games, because I'm going to be talking about them a lot on the podcast. So if you're hearing this FC, FCC Cincinnati team, play better this year, okay? Because I'm going, to talk to, I'm going to talk about you guys a lot on this podcast because I want you guys to do well, okay? So FCC plays Austin FC Saturday. I will recap that game in next week's podcast. That's crazy. Soccer's already starting. All right. Before this podcast ends, we got good news from the UC football front. The University of Cincinnati Boards of Trustees has approved a contract extension through 2028 for Bearcats head coach Luke Fickle. I needed this news because after the Bengals lost the Super Bowl, the next day I got a notification on ESPN that said the Bearcats have extended Luke Fickle's contract through the twenty eight through the twenty twenty eight season, and I'm like, I needed this so bad, so bad. So 
Do you guys want me to run down the list of accomplishments this man has made in Cincinnati? Well, I will do that, okay? So, 13 wins, school record this year. 516 points, 70 touchdowns, school record. Top 10 scoring defense, 2020 and in 2021. Eight NFL Combine invitations in 2021. Seven players selected in the Reese's Senior Bowl. A c- the first non-Power 5 team to ever make the college football playoff. Also, this team made the Peach Bowl in 2020. A 100% graduation rate for four-year players. Four academic All-Americans. Back-to-back American Athletic Conference champions, 2020 and 2021. Three-time Coach of the Year in the American Athletic Conference, 2018, 2020, 2021. 12 first-team American Athletic Conference selections this year alone in 2021. And Luke Fickle and his Bearcats are 29-4 and in the American Athletic Conference since 2018. And he also has four different Coach of the Year trophies. Luke Fickle is here to stay. And the Bearcats football team, we're going to be okay. Okay. Yes, we lose a lot of talent from this year's squad, but I think this Bearcats football team will be good this year in 2022. They won't make the college football playoff, okay? That's not going to happen, but they can definitely win 10 or 11 games and go to a solid bowl game. So I needed this news that Luke Fickle is staying in Cincinnati, okay? That's a loyal-ass man. Okay, it's been a long-ass podcast, but guys, Jesse's going to be okay, okay? I'm going to get over the Super Bowl loss, Okay. We got FCC soccer starting on Saturday. We got free agency for football and NFL draft coming up. And then I don't know about baseball because the lockout's continuing and owners and players are just being just absolute a-holes. So I don't know about baseball. Baseball might not start till May or June. I don't know. It's going to be a short season just like the 2020 season of COVID. But I appreciate you guys. Thank you to all my followers that listen to this podcast. To the new followers, welcome to the podcast, okay? We got lots to talk about with football, soccer, and then we got basketball. I know UC basketball is not having the best year, but listen, they're going to be okay. And then we got UC football talk with eight players being invited to the NFL Combine for this year's NFL Draft. That's amazing. And then, like I said, we got soccer coming up on Saturday. So, lots to dive in. And also, next week's podcast we're finally going to have a guest, my first ever guest on the Deep Press Cincinnati Sports Fan Podcast. And this guest is a former NFL player. He's also a current NFL referee. And also, he's a friend of mine. And also, he is. he was also at the Super Bowl this year. So he has a lot of stories to tell about this year's Super Bowl. So check out for that podcast next week because it's going to be a great one. I am done. I've talked a lot. I had to just, I had to do this podcast early because, you know, I couldn't wait till Thursday because I just need to talk about the game. I'm going to be okay. Okay. I'm not depressed. I am emotionally stable right now. Okay. I'm out. See you guys next week. Peace.